Welcome to Unlock Your Wellbeing, the podcast that teaches you the simple keys to health and happiness so that you can grow as a human being into a well-being. And now here's your host, author, certified wellness coach, mother, and wife, Alicia Leadham. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited for our guest today. Her name is Meg Dahl, and she and I actually go way back. Um, We met way, way, way back. So Meg and I, before we were uh, running our businesses, which she'll introduce herself here in a second and what she's currently doing, but before where we both got our beginnings was blogging. Um, when blogging was very, very cool in like 2012, I feel like. Um, yeah, like 2011, 2012. Yeah, yeah, around that time. So we we initially connected through there and we've stayed connected in various aspects of, of our circle and career ever since. And so I'm just so excited and thrilled to have her on the show today because there's actually a million different topics that I want to go in on with her today, but I had to narrow down for a couple <laughs> because she's such a wealth of information <laughs> and she has so many powerful things to share with us as we navigate this very um, uh, exciting world, I guess you could say we live in. And she is just such a grounding presence in the work that she offers. So Welcome to the show, Meg. I'm so happy to have you. You're so sweet. Well, thank you for having me. And it's crazy. Like that has now been over a decade that you and I have known each other and been friends. Yeah. I realized that. How did that happen? (laughs) I know. I know. I realized that as I was saying it, like, oh, this has been over a decade. It's over a decade. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. I've known you longer than, you know, a lot of my friends. Like, you know, you're one of my longest term friends that I'm still connected with. I love that. Yeah, I love it too. I feel like that was such a good time of of life and like where to start your career at and just meet so many cool people, um, the blogging world. But Mm -hmm. anyway, so welcome. I'm super happy to have you. I would love for you to introduce yourself to our audience and just share a little bit more about what you do and how you help people now. Yeah, for sure. So as you said, I'm Meg Dahl and I guess my background, you know, the reason why I got into blogging and how we connected was I was actually studying foods and nutrition. So I was going through a dietetics program in university and I was doing that because I had grown up with eating disorders. And when I was going through eating disorder recovery, I was working with a really amazing dietitian. And I had so many people on my recovery team, but it was my dietitian that just seemed to really like stand out and help me like She just felt like such an important role in my life. And she inspired me to go to university, study dietetics, and I had plans to become a registered dietitian. But as I was going through the program, you know, I got to 
my last and final year of dietetics and I realized that, oh, hey, I don't actually want to be a dietitian. And it's, I've just always been the kind of person that like, if I don't, if something isn't aligned, like I'm not going to tell someone to eat a certain way, for an example, if I don't eat that way myself, you know, and in dietetic school, it was very like calorie focused. And we were basically, you know, doing kind of like fake meal plans for fake clients. And we'd have to recommend things like low fat cheese, for an example, and egg whites. And I was, you know, making my own meals at home with whole eggs and butter and full fat cheese, like that sort of thing. Like I had done so much healing work with my relationship with food that, you know, I just was really focused on nourishing myself in like a full, whole abundant way. And it didn't feel right for me to be eating how I knew was right. And then be like working in a hospital setting for an example, or a clinic of some sort and having to recommend other things. So anyways, I graduated from dietetics and that's when like the whole blogging started because I was kind of blogging my way through university and I ended up studying holistic nutrition. And that kind of led me into the whole holistic world of like health and wellness essential oils, which again, you know, we connected through blogging and then essential oils. And so the journey has been long. um, But I do come from a background with a lot of information in food and nutrition since I've been studying that since 2009. Um, But now I am really finding like my place And really what I feel like I've been meant to do all along is really support people on a very intimate, like personal level. I've been studying somatic experiencing for the past couple of years, as well as internal family systems. So parts work. And I just absolutely love it. It's been a huge part in my healing journey, like with recovery with food and body image. And, you know, with eating disorder recovery, if anyone is listening right now who has ever had an eating disorder or issues with eating or, you know, troubles with body image, it's something that I feel like we can go through recovery and kind of get to this place where it's like, oh yeah, I'm recovered. And you feel like you're recovered, but there's still kind of these like lingering bits you know, I I call them lingering bits because that's what it feels like. It's like, you're almost there, but there's just these like little things that are kind of still staying with you. And I felt like that for so many years, right? Like it was like, no, I don't have an eating disorder anymore. I feel like I'm recovered, but there's still just like this stuff that's lingering. And it wasn't until I started to dive into like the somatic experiencing and parts work that I fully, fully recovered from like my lifelong eating disorder and body image issues basically. And now for the past few years, like I've been at this place where I'm 
I know I'm fully recovered and I've been helping women all around the world because I work on Zoom. So it's nice to be able to connect with women from anywhere and support them on their journey too. Amazing. I will definitely say that uh, someone who is witnessing your journey and knows you as a person, like you're absolutely doing what you are meant to be doing in this lifetime on this planet. Like you can just feel like you are in complete alignment with the people that you're helping and the best person to help someone going through what it is they're going through, which in your case is helping women recover from eating disorder work um, is to have it overcome it yourself and know the tools mm-hmm. that have helped you because no one can relate to someone that they are struggling with other than someone who's actually experiencing themselves. So I'm sure your clients just trust you so wholeheartedly because they know they can open up to you and like know that you get it, you know? So with that, I would love for you to share more with our audience about what somatic work is, because for those who have never heard of it, um, and they might be hearing about it more, I feel like this work is becoming a little bit more mainstream now, which is really cool and, and, and needed. But yeah, share with us more about what exactly it is and how it can it can help. Yeah, absolutely. So a big um, name in like the somatic experiencing world is Dr. Peter Levine. So if you're familiar with his work, you're probably familiar with somatic work as well and the work that I do with my clients. But really, it's like this understanding of trauma in a whole new way. So I think when we think of trauma, it is these big, you know, traumatic events and things like war or abuse or a car accident or some type of like big event. And we tend to think of trauma as like the event, whereas like what trauma actually is, it's how like the thing actually affects our nervous system. And so The actual definition of trauma is anything that is too much, too fast, or too soon. And so it's really helpful when we can think of it that way and actually see that just as humans going through life, like we all have experienced trauma, right? Like something that is too much, too fast, too soon. And what that does is it really affects our nervous system and we hold on to that, like it lives in the body, right? And so that's what somatic work is. It's we're working with the body. So it's this um, top bottom up approach versus like a top down approach. So we're not so much doing like the mindset work, right? We're more concerned about what the nervous system is telling us, what the body is telling us. So that story that is being held within the body and something that is so fascinating to me, especially like now with working with clients. And I think that's the really other cool thing. I'm kind of going all over the place here, but with somatic work, it's like you can read about it and talk about it and hear about it, right? Like listen to all of these podcasts 
And I did that, but it wasn't until like I experienced it myself and now also working with clients and like leading them through these somatic sessions where it's like, wow, like this is so cool. Like it's one of those things that you really have to experience in order to fully understand like how incredible it is. But what I was going to say is like, we don't actually have to have a memory like where like it's cognitive, like this thing that we can actually think about or recall from the past because our body actually holds on to the story. And a perfect example of this is our bodies can, and they do hold on to stories that we weren't even around for. Like, so we wouldn't even have a memory of it. So like our grandparents, for an example, right? Like they could go through something extremely difficult, right? Even like racism, for an example, like that could be years and years and years back where like you as a person may have not experienced a certain event, but because your ancestors have, that can actually be still held within your body. And so what somatic experiencing offers us is like, we don't have to be like sitting in a session talking about the thing, but what we're most concerned about, like I said, is like, what is the nervous system holding on to? And the way like what happens when you're working with a somatic experiencing practitioner is we can support you in discharging that activation or that trauma that your body's holding on to. So it's really incredible. It's like trauma-informed work. And like I said, it's just been a absolute game changer when it's come to my healing journey. Yes. Well, it's really making me think about all the trauma that we've all experienced in the past couple of years, right? Mm -hmm. As you kept saying, like too much, too fast, too soon. So I think that we're just now um, seeing the the tip of the iceberg of all the repercussions of, you know, everything that has happened in the trauma that we've all experienced. Because like you said, all of the uh, events that our ancestors have gone through, war, the depression, racism, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that is still a part of us, right? Like Michael and I, my husband, we were even talking about this with like, you know, um, family patterns and things that are passed down. Like we can even see some behavior in um, both of our families of things that they do with money from what their ancestors did during the Great Depression, right? Like literally storing coins and cash in a safe in the home in case something happens like it did in the Great Depression, right? And so like, holding on to that lives within us. And until you can release that, that is still a part of you. So what are some like actual um, exercises that you do somatic wise to kind of work through that, that the body tells you? Yeah. So a big, and I know you talk about this a lot with the people that you work with is nervous system work, right? And so 
also within sessions, we're always tracking the nervous system because that's telling us part of the story as well, right? So we're paying attention if someone is in parasympathetic, which is that rest and digest state, right? And some clues when someone is able to be in the parasympathetic is like they are able to know that they're in the here and now, right? Like they they can feel their feet on the ground. They can feel like their sit bones on the chair, right? They can notice that air against their skin, for an example. And even like some thoughts that someone might be having if they are in that parasympathetic state are like those positive, more optimistic type of thoughts like, hey, I can do this. Everything's good. Like I am safe. I feel well, like I can heal, right? Like all of those types of thinking is also an indicator of being in that parasympathetic state. Being in the sympathetic state, which is our fight or flight, are more of like those anxious, like worried type of thinking, like those activated thoughts, right? And so in a somatic session, you're tracking like the client's nervous system. So are they in that parasympathetic? Are they in sympathetic? And then also noticing the free state, which is that dorsal vagal too. And so our nervous systems like are always going to be, you know, using each of these states because they are self-protection responses. And so I want to be like really clear that, you know, it's not that parasympathetic is good and sympathetic is bad and dorsal is bad. Like that's not what I want anyone leaving this episode thinking, right? These systems are like our bodies are brilliant, right? And so when we are in a situation when that sympathetic fight or flight needs to kick in, we want it to kick in, right? And also like that dorsal vagal, that free state, there's also going to be times in our life when something might happen, when that is going to kick in because that's that self-protection response that we need. And so I never want anyone thinking that like, Some systems are bad. Some systems are good. We need all of them. But what we don't want is to be stuck in one system all the time, right? We want to be able to like be able to um, be flexible within those states of the nervous system. And what causes issues is when someone is always stuck in that sympathetic state, which we, you and I were talking about before we hit record we see that a lot. You know, you were telling me about the people that you work with. I'm like, hey, I get it. Like, that's primarily what I see all the time is people are stuck in that sympathetic state. Not everyone, but we do see that when people are, you know, in that burnout with work oftentimes, right? And they're kind of like fearing rest. So to get back to your question and answer that, like, how do we start supporting people on like that somatic level and a really great basic first place to start is noticing what 
like state of my nervous system am I in? And that alone can be huge for people, right? Because so many people are actually in that sympathetic state so much of the time. And they're like more, you know, in their thoughts, cognitively thinking like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I like this? Why can't I rest? Right. But once you actually start to understand the nervous systems and notice, oh, this is what that means when I'm here. Right. I was talking before about how my clients like typically not everyone has an eating disorder, but a lot of my clients have had food issues in the past or body image issues. Right. And I just think in the world that we live in, like (laughs) as women, you know, we, we tend to have days where we feel like um, there's something wrong with our body or we need to look a certain way. And what's absolutely fascinating about like our thoughts and the nervous system is that our thoughts will actually match the state of the nervous system that we're in. So like I was saying before, like some clues of how to know when we're in the parasympathetic, like you're not going to be thinking that, you know, there's something wrong with your body when you're in the parasympathetic because you're able to be here be here right now and know that like there's actually not a present threat around you versus you know when people are really stressed or anxious or worried about something they're caught in that sympathetic state so like our thoughts are going to match that state that we're in and so that is like honestly the first step I would say is noticing, like getting to know the different states of your nervous system and like, oh, what does it feel like for me to be in that parasympathetic state? And what does it feel like for me to notice when I do go into that state of activation and I'm living in that sympathetic state? And also what does it feel like for me to maybe experience some like dorsal active activity so like that free state right and just noticing that and when you do notice like maybe you're going into or you are in that sympathetic state a huge tool is bringing yourself back into the here and now so kind of going back to what I was saying before like if you are noticing that you're in that sympathetic state, what would happen if you noticed your feet on the ground, right? Like take a moment just to notice like that point of connection where your feet meet the ground beneath you, right? Bringing yourself a little bit of that here and now. Noticing that point of connection where your sit bones meet the chair that you're sitting on or whatever you're sitting on. So bringing yourself more into the here and now so you can notice that like, oh, hey, like whatever I was, you know, worried about isn't actually happening, right? There's no actual threat around me right now. So that's kind of a really basic way to get started. Mm, I love how you described it. 
um, you're, I feel like you're very, just your presence is like regulating. So I can tell <laughs> like you're so regulated. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm feeling really regulated right now. Just being with Meg oh, and hearing her speak. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I think that's really, really helpful. Um, the way, especially with the, um, your thoughts will match the current state that you're in. Um, so I think mm -hmm. that's really helpful question to help identify which one you're in. Like, well, where are my thoughts right now? And if, if they're in that yeah. fear, worry, this isn't working, this is what's going wrong, you're most likely um, in fight or flight. You're most likely in the sympathetic. And I think it, I really think it's beautiful too. You said that one isn't right or wrong or bad or the other. Um, it's just when you're in one too long, where the issues happen, right? Like if you're in the sympathetic constantly for too long. Yeah. Yes. So what would your <laughs> advice be for someone who is stuck there um, and like some daily habits that they can take and, and do, whether that's, um, yeah. yeah, I want to hear. Yeah. I love this question. And again, just another thing I love about this work, like it is so slow and so gentle and what I'm always concerned about or curious about is like what's most tolerable for my, like the client I'm working with, right? And so if someone listening right now has been in a somatic experiencing session before, like they'll know it is very slow, like the nervous system work and working with the nervous system, healing the nervous system, it's slow work. And I really love that because even like the clients that I work with, usually they're coming to me at like the end of their work day. Right. And they've been like, go, 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 go all day. And in our sessions, it's just like finally a time for them to like sit and just move slow with me. And so I just really love that. So the reason I bring that up is because, okay, if someone knows, oh, wow, I am always on like I am constantly in that fight or flight state and I need to make a change the reason I wanted to mention that like somatic work and nervous system work is slow is because like I can't suggest that okay a great first step would be just like taking the weekends off of work right like just take the whole weekend off if this person is constantly in that, like, I have to constantly be doing something, right? So like, what I would be curious about, okay, what would be tolerable for you, right? And it might be something so incredibly small. So for an example, I once was always in fight or flight, like I could not sit down. I just had to constantly be doing things. I was just like, on all the time that's what it's like to be in sympathetic all the time and being like scared of rest actually like was a real thing for me and it's a very real thing for so many people like if we are constantly in this state that tells us that we always have to be on right resting 
is going to actually feel like a huge threat. Like it's actually going to feel terrifying to actually do that. And so you can't just be like, okay, just, you know, get it out of there. Like just lay everything down and just chill out. Right. And so what would that like look like if you were just to allow yourself a little bit of that parasympathetic, right? Like a little bit of that rest and digest. So for me, I really wanted to sit and like have a slow morning, start reading like fiction novels. Like, and that, I guess that alone was one change for me. I was always reading nonfiction. Like I had to always be learning something, right? Because I'm like, well, if I'm going to sit and read, like I need to be learning something all the time, right? So even when I was sitting and reading, (laughs) I wasn't actually relaxing because I was always reading something to learn. And so that actually is a good example. Like for me, I was like, okay, that might be one thing that I can start with. And that is in my life, something that I did start with. I no longer really read nonfiction anymore. Um, And I read 80 fiction books last year. So, you know, and I didn't go from zero to 80. It was like this very slow process for me. And so I think, you know, for anyone listening, okay, what, what would be tolerable for you to make a shift in experiencing a little bit more parasympathetic, but also this is, you know, a helpful time to like, if someone does feel as though, like if their nervous system is communicating with them, that, you know, resting is a real threat or it feels like a real threat to them. That absolutely would be like a time where working with a practitioner probably could be really helpful, right? To hold this safe space for them. And something that you mentioned before you asked me this question actually is like a huge part of somatic experiencing is co-regulation. So like if I'm sitting here and I'm regulated and I'm like, so here right now and I'm not over here, but I'm like here with you and I'm able to like maintain like my presence in this parasympathetic state, you're going to feel that right? And you like, even on Zoom, like we do not have to be in the same room. You can feel that on Zoom and that's called co-regulating. And that's also why I love like one-on-one sessions because, you know, we can offer that or I can offer that to my clients who aren't able to actually feel like they can do that on their own yet, you know, but it's possible because yeah. Because you're because they're experiencing it with you. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I love that you said that. And I want to mention this point before I I forget, which is this work in the uh, in the corporate world is so powerful. Because like you said, being on all the time is parasympathetic, right? We're constantly in fight or flight, constantly getting emails, constantly getting, you know, 
pinged all day long of new things that we need to be doing. And now there's the blurred lines of working at home, working in the office, like you can, your email, like you're never really almost allowed to turn it off. And so you have to know how to actively rest. And this can be very scary for those who don't know how to turn it off or are always on because like you just mentioned, the thought of resting can feel like a threat because it, it is, or just not that you can't go from here to here quite yet, right? You have to ease into it. Um, and so one thing that I found in doing this work, especially for, um, for leaders and HR leaders is as they learned to regulate themselves, now they're able to regulate their employees. Okay. And this changes the culture <laughs> at these companies. So I have one client in particular who's been to a bunch of my programs and one of my, my retreats recently. And she came to like one of my first speaking gigs. I think it was in 2019. I think that's when it was. And then I had a, a retreat in, uh, in Dubuque, in Dubuque, Iowa for some HR leaders this past fall. And she she came and she told me, she said, since I came and I've learned some of these tools at that speaking engagement a few years ago with you, I am teaching other people how to use these tools. And so they come into my office. She's an HR leader. They come into my office and she can co-regulate for them. And so they leave feeling better instead of coming in and being reprimanded and they're, you know, she's dysregulated and then they take that. And then it creates this continuation of this culture that's creating even more burnout than we're currently in. So mm -hmm. I wanted to mention that because I know a lot of our listeners are like, well, how does this relate to uh, me being a better leader? How does this relate to me in my professional life? It, it relates to everything, okay? It's so very much related. And um, yeah, I just wanted to like put that, that connection together for people before I forgot. No, I'm glad but you shared that. Like even some uh like people doing my somatic experiencing program you know they're professionals because in the program like you have to have some type of like um caregiving like profession right like but a lot of them are moms kind of specifically doing it with the intent of being able to be more regulated for their children and I think that's so beautiful so Yes. Like you said, it's just everyone can benefit. It's all related. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I mean, I keep thinking of, uh, oh, what's her name? She goes by the holistic psychologist. Do you follow her? The holistic psychologist? Oh, yeah. Yes. I, Nicole LaPera. Yeah, Nicole. Sure that's her, her last name. Yes. Yeah. I knew it was Nicole. Nicole LaPera. She tweeted recently, like, people learning how to regulate the nervous system is what's going to change the world. And I was like, yes, yes. Because it's so mm -hmm. important, right? Like you're going to match the energy of someone that you're around. Um, so not only are you doing it for yourself, right? To do that, that healing work for whatever trauma you've experienced in some way we all have. Uh, but knowing that doing so ripples and helps everyone else you know, around you, which is really powerful, like mm -hmm. we've been talking about on yeah. the call. So I'm curious about what are some things that you see in your clients that when it comes to food, 
that they do uh, that keeps them stuck in sympathetic or puts them into fight or flight? Yeah, I love this question. I think two things. One very, very common that might be surprising to a lot of people. And you and I were talking about this. I shared this with you before we hit record because, you know, I was explaining to you just my backgrounds in food and nutrition. And then, you know, I'm in this somatic world now. And it's, I love that so much. Like, it's never like, oh, I just wish I would have, you know, became a therapist right off the bat. Like, I'm so happy that I have this background in food and nutrition. And now also the somatic piece because they're related, right? Like, so I think we live in this world where we're told like, we need to eat a certain way. And when we eat a certain way, then we're going to be healthy, right? But like, you can't focus on your healing without doing this like deep inner healing, like nervous system work, right? Like your healing can't not include nervous system work, just like you were saying about that tweet, right? Like people being able to regulate themselves and work with their nervous system like that's what's going to change the world I love that right so you can't focus on everything else and ignore the nervous system but you also can't just like look at the nervous system and then be under eating and that's what I shared with you and that is one of those things that like if that that's one of the things that I see most often and it's not just I need to clarify this. Like it is not just because most of my clients have eating issues or have come from a background of, you know, disordered eating or eating disorders, just most women in general, because of the world that we live in, like we're constantly fed messages that we need to eat a certain way. X amount of calories, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so most people that I work with come into contact with, they're under eating. And when our body is undernourished, that is a huge stressor on the body and the nervous system, the body perceives that as a threat. Like it does not feel safe when it is being undernourished. And so that is the most common thing that I see like food related and how it impacts the nervous system is under eating. So like women need to learn that like they cannot thrive and be in this really healthy regulated state while they're constantly undernourished right? We need way more food than we even realize as women. So that's number one. And, you know, if you have questions about that, we can absolutely dive into that. And then I would say like the second thing, (laughs) yeah, the (laughs) second thing that creates a lot of, you know, feelings of not being safe. And then the thing that we need to do about that to support the body in feeling safe is blood sugar balance. So when we're not focusing on balancing our meals, like we need a balance 
balance of those two macronutrients for blood sugar balance. And when we're able to do that, the body is going to feel safe. If we're not focusing on blood sugar balance, that is creating like this unsafe um, kind of threat experience for the body. And so again, kind of playing into that sympathetic fight or flight, something's wrong, danger kind of feeling. Totally. Okay. I love this so much. And you are just, I think you had to, to learn and study the food portion um, mm-hmm. because that's just what makes you so unique and so awesome at what you do. I, I, I see this all the time with women too. In some, some men, they're under eating, but I don't think they realize that they're under eating. So why are so some... much of it's unintentional? Right. Like, I think that they, yeah, like, oh, I grabbed a, you know, I had a granola bar, like I'm eating something um, with, you know, three extra cups of coffee and some packets of sugar and thrown in, right? Like I, they say, I feel fine. So how do you recognize when you are under eating? Great question. So, I mean, that opens, I feel like we could do a whole other podcast (laughs) on that. And I should actually give you a link to one of my podcast episodes. I recently recorded it and I cover 15 different health markers and they're like real health markers, right? It's not the health markers that we're told are important, like what we look like, how much we weigh, that sort of thing, because those aren't actually health markers, right? Like the body actually communicates our health through other things like our pulse. So our um, heart rate, you know, beats per minute and our body temperature, our digestion. So looking at our bowel movements and, you know, I, nothing is TMI for me. So every single day we should be having like a good bowel movement. So if you're constipated, that's a sign of not eating enough. If your pulse is super low, that's a sign of not eating enough. If you're always cold all the time, I mean, you and I live in two places where it gets very chilly. So, you know, we're wearing sweaters today, but you and I aren't sitting here like shivering and freezing, right? Like it's very cold where I live right now. I'm in Canada, by the way, and we have extremely cold winters where I live. And I am not sitting here freezing right now. I'm actually sweating right now. But, um, you know, uh, being cold, you know, if you're one of those people that feel like you always need to be bundled up or you're, you know, those people where you're always cold. I mean, I used to be one of those people, right? Like your hands, like you go to the grocery store and you walk down the frozen food aisle and you're just like shaking. Like that's not a sign of health. A sign of health is being warm and like producing body heat. So that's another sign that you might not be eating enough sleep is a huge one. So many people complain and I'm not talking about like new moms here with not even new moms, but just moms who have children waking up in the middle of the night. Right. I'm not talking about that, but I think like sleep people just 
are like, oh yeah, I don't sleep well. It's like, well, (laughs) that's a huge sign of health. Like you should be able to lie down at, let's say like 10 at night. And I'm using that because that's my bedtime and it's actually a great time to go to bed. But, um, you know, you should be able to lie down, put your head on the pillow and fall asleep with ease, not wake up in the middle of the night, even if that's to go pee, because that like your body should be able to make it the entire night uninterrupted without having to go pee. And so that's another sign of not eating enough. If you're not able to actually get a solid night's sleep, if you're, you know, having a hard time falling asleep, having a restless sleep, waking up in the middle of the night to go pee, um, all that stuff. And then also like having no hunger or feeling constantly hungry. And that bit might be kind of obvious to some people but again like you know like you said a lot of people don't realize they're under eating right so and again like I keep saying we live in this world where we're told certain things about food and how we should be and I think part of like that messaging is always to like get rid of our hunger and that hunger is like this bad thing that we need to minimize but like having an appetite throughout the day and like having these normal fluctuations in your hunger throughout the day is actually a sign of health like you should be hungry right but you shouldn't be hungry all day and if you are there's nothing wrong with you it's likely you're just not eating enough right and if you do think you're eating enough that's probably because diet culture told you that the amount of food you're eating is like, quote unquote, enough, but it's not because you're hungry and you wouldn't be hungry otherwise. Right. And if you don't have any hunger throughout the day, that's a really good sign that also you're not eating enough. So I think I listed five different things. And again, I said on my podcast episode that I released a couple of weeks ago, I covered 15 things and they're all health markers that can, we can look at and gain so much information from and all, like I have seen all of those, not only myself, but so many of my clients like come back into balance simply by increasing calories, you know, and calories like can be such like a dirty word, like triggering word, but it's like, let's just start to see calories as energy and our body needs that. Right. And so I don't know, I feel like so many problems (laughs) could be fixed or resolved. um, If people just started eating that food, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love everything you said. And yes, we're absolutely put the link to that podcast episode in the show notes of this one, because everyone needs to go listen to that. (laughs) That's very important. Um, Tell them about, about your podcast, because we didn't mention that you have one, but you, you have one, you've had it for a long time. Like, yeah. A long time. Yeah. I actually started podcasting back in 2015. So that has been a long time ago. Um, 
yeah, before like everyone had a podcast kind of thing, but it's, I've just always loved podcasting. So I'm so grateful to be sitting down with you today, but yeah, it's called the unbreakable you podcast. And it's so cool because I don't even know where like that name kind of came up for, for me, like unbreakable you, but it's so interesting because now with like the work that I'm doing with somatics Mm. and parts work I'm like wow this actually I and just like you said I feel like I really came to this place and found where like my like true alignment with like the work that I'm supposed to be doing and then I recently honest to goodness just within the past couple of weeks I was thinking about the name of my podcast I'm like wow interesting how it's you know, it's not expired after all of these years. It really just makes more sense after all of these years. So I kind of like that. But yeah, it's called the Unbreakable You Podcast. I was having a lot of guests on my show for the past several years. And then at the end of last year, so the end of 2022, I decided that I really wanted to start making my show more solo episodes. So if people go check it out. If you scroll back, there's going to be a lot of amazing guests on the show, but then more recent episodes or more solo episodes talking about like a specific topic, that sort of thing. I love it. Yeah. She has a great podcast to you guys. So, and she has a lot of episodes that you can dive into. So if you're digging today's um, show with her, you should go check it out. So we'll for sure put the one of the, what is it? You had 15 health markers? 15. Yeah. And I mean, I could have went into all of them today, but we made a good start with the five. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's good. And you actually named a couple uh, from my book, The Six Gold Keys to Wellbeing. So the first is sleep, which is really interesting in the work that I do with corporate Uh, I do like a workshop. One thing that I do is a workshop series on my six keys and almost every single time I do it, people love the sleep one the most because they're struggling the most with sleep and they realize Mm -hmm. and experience like making shifts and and making this a priority and improving the quality of their sleep helps them to be able to do everything else, right? Um, Eat better, Mm -hmm. have more energy to move feel more regulated because you're, you're well rested. Right. And so, um, it's for some reason, it's still like this mentality, at least from what I see of, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead and I have to stay up Mm -hmm. late and keep working and then get up early and I can just do it all. And that's actually hurting you a lot. Um, and in my second key in the key of nutrition, I really focus on gut health. And so we talk about, yeah, we talk about your digestive system. We talk about how to have a healthy, a healthy gut and what to look for in the toilet. So that is also not off limits to me. I think it's so important. And it is really funny to bring that into a professional setting. It's like, listen, we need to go here because it's vital. We need to talk about the poop. Like, let's just get to it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just so important. So I... Love that. We'll put that in there. What, uh, the second thing that I wanted to go back to 
really quick. The second thing that you had mentioned after I did mention blood sugar balance. Yes. Thank you. How, so, um, a lot of clients that we see on average, you know, they'll eat something sugary in the morning with a lot of coffee and then crash, skip lunch, right? And are super tired and they have more coffee in the afternoon and just try to like, you know, push through and get through the day. What, how, how can you tell when your blood sugar is crashing and what, what were the, the portions, the ratios that you mentioned that you want to stick with, with each meal to maintain a healthy blood sugar balance? Yeah. Well, the example you just gave is a perfect example of how someone's blood sugar could just crash. So having coffee, maybe on an empty stomach or, you know, waking up and having like a sugary breakfast, if that's just, you had mentioned a granola bar before. So, you know, maybe you're waking up, grabbing this granola bar, rushing out the door, going to your favorite coffee shop, grabbing a coffee. And then, like you said, crashing, feeling super tired, being irritable, having brain fog, having a hard time thinking clearly, and maybe craving more sugar. And I could, you know, again, whole episode that I should record in the future about cravings and what they actually mean. They're hint, they're not like a bad thing. They're just telling us like, oh, hey, you probably need more energy, right? Like if we're tired, the body isn't asking for coffee. If we're tired, the body is asking for energy. And I I said before, calories are energy, right? So your body doesn't need more coffee. Your body needs food, right? And that's probably not going to look like a sugary drink from Starbucks, for an example, right? Like your body needs food. And so if you really quickly, because blood sugar balance is like a whole thing, but you know, a place to start is waking up in the morning and eating within the first like 30 to 60 minutes. I prefer seeing people eat within like the first 30 minutes of waking up, but you know, for some people that's just not possible. So really aiming for like the food going in. So breakfast, within those first 30 to 60 minutes of waking up and your meals and snacks should all have protein and carbs within every single meal and snack. So for an example, like breakfast, one of my, okay, this is my favorite breakfast. I soak oats in Greek yogurt and like mix cocoa powder. So they're like these like chocolatey, soaked oats with a lot of protein from the Greek yogurt. And then I pour a ton of honey all over that and then make like a strawberry compote on the side. So we have like the protein from the Greek yogurt and then carbs from the oats and the honey and the strawberries. So you've got a nice combo of a bunch of different types of carbohydrates And then, so that's a really good example of a good like blood sugar balancing breakfast. And then every two to four hours after that. So again, to that example that you gave us, we don't want to be going hours and hours and hours and hours without food. One of the keys to 
balancing blood sugar is eating every two to four hours and not forcing our body to fast longer than that because we fast all night. You do not need to fast any longer than that. And so grabbing, you know, it would be like breakfast, maybe a mid-morning snack. One of my favorite snacks, and this is just easy, is like a chunk of cheese and some fruit. So, you know, before I got on this call, I had like a chunk of cheese and a couple of oranges. And then again, like lunch and that also being a nice balance of protein and carbs and then an afternoon snack, dinner, and then a bedtime snack. So that is kind of like this flow or the structure that I kind of follow just intuitively, but also intentionally throughout the day, because I know that's what my body needs. And it works out to be every like two to three hours for me. And I feel great, you know, have never felt better. And so that's kind of an example of what nourishing yourself enough can look like, but also supporting blood sugar balance as well at the same time. Mm, I think I love, I love how you just described that. And I think that this conversation is just really important to hear. Sometimes it's like, oh yeah, I just need to eat more to have more energy, but we need to hear that. Um, even myself, like I've had to have that reminder, like now, you know, my sleep is interrupted quite often with a two-year-old and it's just temporary. So I know it's not, you know, forever, but because of that, I need more energy throughout the day. And so instead of reaching for more caffeine, I'm like, okay, I just need to eat more. And that does help me, um, you know, when I am low on energy to remember that, ah, like Meg's in my head. I need to eat more. Like that's going to help me have more energy. (laughs) And it works, honey. It does. So having um and and like it's not you're gonna go through different phases in your life, right? Like the phase I'm in right now with little babies, it's not gonna last forever, but that is a phase I'm in. So having my body give me uh information as to how I'm feeling, what's going on. And using these tools, these somatic tools like that you're sharing helps me to stay in that relationship of um, where I'm at and honoring where I'm at in that moment in the phase that I'm in. So yeah, super cool and important. Okay, Meg, I want to ask you the question that I ask every guest that comes on the show, which is the title of the show. I want to know more about you. How do you personally unlock your own well-being? Uh, yeah, I have thought about this question and I feel like, you know, you can interpret this question in so many different ways. But for me, I feel like I like a huge piece of that for me is really filling up my own cup before like being able to pour into everyone else. So for me, a huge part of the way that I make sure that I am taking care of myself um, is being really like firm with like my self-care boundaries. So I am so intentional about having these really 
slow me mornings basically like I don't schedule clients in the mornings and then I see clients throughout the afternoon which feels so good for me and I feel so full and like nourished and ready to pour into my clients because I've poured into myself all morning so that's the first thing that came up when I first read that question um I feel like that really allows me to like unlock my well-being is like pouring into myself first. I love that. It's so important to like be able to pour from a full cup, right? What do you do to uh, to make sure that you're filled, filled up and how do you give yourself permission to like create the space for that, you know? yeah um again like lots of like healing work around that it wasn't just like I was saying before right it wasn't just this oh I I want to start doing this for myself and then I started doing it it was a lot of healing around that but now because I have done that I wake up And I go downstairs and eat my breakfast within those first 30 minutes of waking up. And then I don't have any children, but I have a fur baby who I love very much. And so her and I like curl up on the couch for at least, usually it's like two hours, honestly, like depending when I wake up, but it's nice. Um, Her and I just curl up on the couch and cuddle together for the first couple of hours that I'm awake and I read a book and she snuggles me and then I love moving my body as well and so I have like a gym downstairs in my house and which I'm really grateful for because I would not want to be going to the gym especially when it's this cold here in the winter so it's nice to be able to like go down in my gym do some movement and really just take an entire morning for myself and then I get ready and I dive into another thing that I really love doing as we've talked about so much throughout this episode and I love like the work that I'm doing with my clients but I'm setting myself up to be able to like do that because I do care for myself in such like an intentional way. And I'm also really like, I I have solid boundaries, you know, like I just, it's not like I'm scheduling clients all morning because if I did, then I wouldn't have that space to pour into myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think like having boundaries is a huge piece of that for me too. You also take like very intentional breaks in between clients right yes like that's another thing is if I saw my clients back to back to back which I know so many people do and like no shade to them you know like I just can't like I know that if I'm seeing let's say five clients back to back in a day is that fifth client of mine getting what like that first client of mine got, you know what I mean? And to me, that's what's most important. Like if these people are investing their time, their energy, their money into our sessions, like I want to make sure that 
that last client of my day is getting exactly the same amount of me that I poured into that first client. You know what I mean? So that's a huge thing for me. Huge. Yeah. It's so important to, to keep yourself in that place that everyone who's working with you is getting your best at each session and not, Oh, I'm just going to try to bang this all out and just push myself through. And then your energy waning by, like you said, the fifth client, Mm -hmm. So I love that you take it very seriously that in between your clients, like you do something to nourish yourself a little bit in between, right? Like you'll have a snack or you'll go for a walk or you'll read a little bit, right? You'll do something in between. So I think for our listeners, like even, you know, if you're at a day job, can you schedule in that time that, you know, you can take, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, you know, in between meetings or um, before you have like a big presentation or something like, can you put that time into your calendar and knowing that that is really productive because it's going to help you and set you up to be in a better place when you go and do, you know, that next session or the next thing on your calendar, like, like Meg has created this flow for herself in, in the day, right? I'm so happy you brought that up too, because yeah, um, it's so easy to just say, yeah, yeah, I'll schedule like all of these meetings or clients or whatever, like commitments back to back. It is so easy to do that. And I've had clients also, you know, reach out, like if we have maybe something come up on their schedule one week, and maybe they're asking me to see them at a different time or whatever it is. And it's so easy to be like, oh yeah, I'll see you at four, even if I have a client ending right at four, but I will always ask them, hey, could we start at 4.15, you know? And I I want to acknowledge just like how easy it is to tell ourselves like, oh, it'll be fine. Like I can do it at four, right? But okay, but like, could you give yourself an extra 10 or 15 minutes. Like, is that possible? And my clients know that I do this and I know they appreciate that. Like that I I do give myself even like those 15 minutes just to kind of like do that reset and give myself some time and space to like emotionally and like mentally and everything like internally wrap up that last session so I can go into that new session and you know whoever's listening they might not be like dealing with clients but it's just you know a meeting or whatever commitments you have during your day can you give yourself a little bit more of a buffer between those commitments rather than stacking them because I know you can stack them back to back I know that I could too but could you try to give some buffer between. Yes. I think that's a challenge for our listeners of like a place to start. Could you maybe start with five minutes and see if you can challenge yourself to, you know, creating that space and then creating that boundary and honoring that, maintaining that boundary with, you know, your coworkers and even with yourself. Like, no, I said I was going to actually step away from my computer for a few minutes and getting into the habit Mm -hmm. of resetting 
regulating in some way. And the more you do this, the more like you're practicing what that feels like, uh, you know, to like reset along the way. So I think that's a big takeaway. We want to hear yeah. from you guys what you end up doing in those five minute or at least five minutes between your breaks. Yeah. <laughs> I love it too. Oh, Meg, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much for joining Thank and being you. here today. I just love oh, the work you that so you're doing. Much. Yes, thank you, it's amazing. I love thank the work that you. you're doing and thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much. Tell us all about where our listeners can find you and connect with you. Yeah, sure. So I mentioned my podcast, so we'll link that up. And basically I'm on Instagram as far as social media goes. So my handle is I am Meg Dahl. And my website's megdoll.com. So I can send you all of those links and we can put them in the show notes or whatever. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we'll have all of Meg's links in the show notes. We'll have her podcast. She's super active Instagram and she has so many great stories that she does every day. Uh, so definitely go check her out over there and her, your website, of course. So if you want to get in and touch with, yeah. yeah. Are you taking new clients right now? I am. Yeah, I right now I work like primarily like one on one with clients. So I will be like, you can always schedule a discovery call with me. I have that as an option. Perfect. We'll put that in the uh, the show notes for people to connect with as well. So thank you all so much for being here. We'll see you in our next episode. And thanks again so much, Meg. Bye, everyone. <laughs>